you are with us. And we, yeah, we just recognise your presence, Lord. I pray that as we open your word, Lord, will you speak to us? Your servants are listening. May we not just hear, but may we respond, I pray. Amen. Amen, amen. So uh, I want to... I want to talk to you about The Voice. No, not that television programme. You know, although, in a funny sort of way, Sue, uh, sorry, Sue, my wife Sue, something like she can't be here today. Her mum's very poorly, and she's had to go down to London second weekend and be with her. So um, she would love to have been here, but um, she sends her love um, to you all. Um, we, we, we're a bit of fans of The Voice. I think it's an age thing, really, if I'm honest. You know, we're, like, we're like a couple of goggle boxers, actually. We start shouting, turn, 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 at the, at the telly. You know, it's quite sad, really. Um, but if you've watched the programme, you'll know basically what it is, is three singers, um, the, the young Tom Jones and the Will I Am and somebody else whose name I've forgotten. Um, and they, uh, they're listening to these people sing, but they can't see them. And then when they like a voice that they hear, they turn round. And they say, I want you, you know, my team. That, you know, it goes on like that. So um, um, I suppose I'm asking the question, what makes your chair turn round? What's the voice that makes you turn round and listen? And, and I want to encourage you to hear God's voice. I don't know how you tend to hear God's voice. Maybe you remember a time of hearing God, or maybe it's through somebody else. Maybe it's through reading the Word of God. Read the Word of God. Read the Word of God every day, because God speaks through his Word. Um, maybe it is a small voice. Maybe it's something in your mind, or maybe it's just a, something that is a coincidence, or people say a God incidence in your life that comes about. But listen, I want you to listen. Surely when we gather, it says when we gather together as a people of God, he's here speaking to us. So let's try to hear his voice. And um, I want to invite you, as we go through this story, and, and, and actually the story is much longer than the bit we heard, isn't it? If you, if you know, it's uh, uh, 1 Kings chapter 17, 18 and 19, the story of Elijah. We meet this amazing man. And we get a sort of a glimpse or a very focused point of, of, of a part of his life. And, um, and, and we get the chance to think and to watch and to experience together. And I want, to, I want you to think very carefully about what... I think there are two important questions. Kind of only two questions that we need to sort of think about. Is, is what is God saying to us. What is God saying to us? What is he saying to me? What is he saying to us? Because very rarely are we, we are always talked about as the body of Christ, the fellowship, us. Now people read the book of Ephesians and um, think it's uh, to them personally. No, it's to the church. It's to the church. What is God saying to us? And what are we going to do? What are we actually going to do about it? Two questions. What is God saying to us? What are we going to do about it? Because we can be hearers of the word, 
Um, and, and that's good, but we need to be doers of the word. I nearly didn't last very long at St Thomas's Church in Kendal because a few weeks in, people said to me, how is it going? And I said, well, you know what? Uh, and I probably said it from you know, the front of the church because you know, I'm, I'm not as discreet sometimes as I kind of should be. Frank's laughing at me. Um, I said, well, do you know what? It's like this church has got big ears and a fat bottom. <laughs> got down too well, really. Um, upset quite a lot of ladies in the church. I, you know, I mean, I mean to upset people, you know. Um, what I mean is that every week people would come and we would open the word and we would preach the word and it was great and we'd sing a few songs and then we'd have coffee at the end and we'd go home and we'd come back and do it all again the next week. It was like lecture, really. And I was distressed by it because I wanted to know, so what are we going to do about it? Because... The word is not just to learn and know. The word is active and sharper than the two-edged sword. It enables us to do things. So that, that's what I want you to think. That God is not just speaking to us because it's nice. He's speaking to us because he wants to do something in our lives. And that's what I'm going to be looking into. There's, um, Jesus was once approached by a lawyer Always a bit dangerous, I feel, because, you know, when a lawyer approaches you, you start thinking how much you're going to cost, you know. Um, and uh, sorry, there's probably a couple of lawyers in the place. Stay, stay with me, stay with me on this. And, and, and the lawyer wanted to know what is the most important commandment. And Jesus said the most important commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and mind and love your neighbour as yourself. You know, I seriously believe if we just did that, we would do well. You know, the church is full of difficulties and challenges and, um, you know, we, 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 we talk a lot about what makes us different rather than what brings us together. We, we find ourselves a difficult place and we find it difficult to love one another, let alone others. And there are times at which we find it very difficult to love God. I was talking to somebody after the first service who was telling me a great story about how they came to faith and how they were involved in the church and what happened. And, and they mentioned their, their husband and they said, oh, is your husband here? No, he doesn't come anymore. He doesn't come. That, that's not an uncommon story. Churches where we, 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 we go, get out of favour sometimes with God. I mean, there's a whole book of the Bible, the biggest book in the Bible, the book of Psalms is all about, you know, sometimes like being quite cross with God. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There's a, there's a prayer used by Jesus. So loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and mind and loving your neighbour as yourself, that's really critical. But also Jesus then, there's the, at the end of his life, when he, not the end of his life, that's a bad statement, isn't it? After he'd been raised from the dead and he was talking to the disciples, he said, um, I, I, I want you to go. I want you to go into all the world and preach the gospel. I want you to baptise people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Bring people to know me. Bring people in. So we've got the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbour as yourself. We've got the Great Commission, go into all the world, preach the gospel, and uh, bring people to baptism, bring them into the... That's great, isn't it? But there's a third one. 
Because I'm a preacher and there's always three things. Right? Begins with the same letter. It's great. There's the great context. The great context. What is the context in which we are, in which we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul and mind, and we're to preach the gospel and bring people to, into the kingdom? What's the context? Now, you, 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 let's take it on it, all the levels. It's very personal. It's in the family. It's in the friends. It's in the neighbourhood. It's where you live. It's where you work. It's who you're with. It's that context. But it's in the church, the local church. I love the local church. I love the local, I really do love the local church, but it does make me smile because um, we're very, 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 very parochial. Did you know? It's, it's my church, my bit. Um, I don't know Southport at all really very well, but there'll be a bit of Southport which is about 300 yards away which we will say, no, no, we're not that bit, we're this bit. Um, apparently, in Liverpool, everybody wants to live in L1. Um, people want to move in because they want to be in that bit. It's crazy, isn't it? It's mad. What does it mean to be the local church? That is a challenge that we have as a diocese at the moment. What does it mean to be the people of God in a place? Because we've clearly got a number of worshipping communities. There's one here. We've got others. Are they different? Are they the same? Are we involved together? Are we, are we commissioned to reach our people Southport, the area around? Are we commissioned to reach them together? There's an argument we could have. Or there's an opportunity we could get into. What context are we talking about? Or maybe we're talking about the constant context of our nation. Wow, there's a, there's a whole thing, isn't there? What's happened to the nation? What is the nation? You know, what's going on? Because it looks like there's a sort of turning away. All the, all the stats and all the facts show us that people are not turned towards God in our nation. What about the world? What's going on in the world? God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So I want, I don't know where your mind is taking you right now, but I want you to think contextually. What is the context? And I trust the Holy Spirit to be working among us and working in you to say what the context is that's on your mind. The commandment, the commission, and the context. When on earth is the preacher going to get to the passage? Right now. Oh, no, I'm not. Oh, yes, you are. <laughs> no, I'm not. And he's not behind me. Okay. Or maybe he is. Um, because there's another bit of the Bible where a young lady enters into a story of a time in a context, in a politically difficult situation, and finds herself made queen. Her name's Esther. Book of Esther is great. And in a crisis time, a very wise man of her people, who knows that the people, he has information which tells him the people are going to be wiped out. There's going to be a holocaust. And comes to her and says, it may be 
that you are in this position as queen here for such a time as this. So I'm in my introduction. <laughs> That's where I am at the moment. <laughs> I want to say you are here and you are where you are in the context you are thinking. God has you there for such a time as this. You can be frightened by that, you can be excited by that, whatever it is. We are the people of God here now, this time, for such a time as this. There have been people before us who've experienced all of this and gone to glory and there will be people after us. Unless Jesus comes back tomorrow or today. We are here for such time as this. Let's hit the passage. I want to invite us to hear the word of God in three, three things I'm inviting you to consider. I want to invite you to step up, to take hold of your courage, however much it is, a very, very little bit or a lot. I want to invite you to step up. I want to invite you to step in to whatever the, the circumstances are that you are experiencing right now. And I, and I kind of know why Rob shared that story about your sister, having heard what I said earlier, that you had to step in to a really difficult, broken situation and say, God, help me here. I want to invite you to step in. And I want to invite you to step out to take hold of your belief and what God is saying to you and say yes. So let me, let me explore that with you. In the context of Elijah, who was the prophet for such a time as this. In the middle of a nation that had completely turned away from God. From Solomon onwards, the kings, the sons of Solomon, the kings of Israel, the kings of Judah, the kings of Israel, they simply perpetuated the whole problem of turning away from God. Not only just turning away and turning their people's hearts away from God, but worse than that, turning them towards the hearts of other gods or other non-gods. And we come across this, this insidious God thing called Baal or Baal, depending on where you come from. I don't come from Southport or Liverpool, in case you hadn't noticed. I come from London, North London, right? So that's why I speak funny, okay? Um, and the, the, the religion of Baalism was basically a materialistic religion. The, the, the people believed that this god Baal would give them what they wanted, gratify their desires in every which way. And let's leave it at that because it gets pretty sordid at times. Give them what they want. And so their hearts and minds were turned towards that. And the queen Jezebel at the time of this story is like the leader of that. So the king and the queen and the people are turned away. And into that comes Elijah. He steps up because God's word comes to him. And we get a choice when God's word comes to us. We get a choice to step up and trust God. It's going to work out. Or we have a choice to say, look, it's just not me. And that's okay because that's historically the way of a leader. <laughs> Moses being our greatest example 
of that you got the wrong person. But God says, nevertheless, it's you. Step up. And he, Elijah steps up and he faces the challenge. He brings the message of God and he's not just giving it saying, this is what will happen to you. Because he's in it, he experiences it. He experiences the drought. He experiences the, the lack of food and water and the suffering of the people himself. Even though God takes him to a little ravine where he's fed and he drinks and he's fed by ravens, but the stream dries up. He's caught in his own word. He's caught in the drought. And then God says to him, don't worry, I'm going to take you from here and I'm going to take you to Zarephath. Well, Zarephath was like the centre. It was part of Phoenicia and it was the centre of Baal worship. It's like God saying to him, I'm going to take you from this place of rescue and I'm going to take you to the place of danger. So it comes with a warning, this stepping up. It's not just going, oh, God, okay, I'll step up. Because you step up and God will take you places, put you in things where it might be survival, it might be difficult, and then it might get more difficult. But what Elijah experiences is that in these stages he trusts God and God, God works in those places. And he gets involved, you can read the story for yourself, I'm not going to go into it, but he gets involved with this widow who's um, making her last bit of bread and, uh, for her and her son to eat and then die. And a miracle occurs in that situation. A miracle occurs. Stepping up. Stepping up. It's going to take courage. You know, um, probably one of the greatest stories uh, of our history in a nation, um, which people always refer to, is is how on earth did we manage to um, come through and win and not be defeated by the Germans in the Second World War? And one of the reasons people say it was that leader, Churchill. I think he's the most quoted politician in history, Churchill. And if you've seen the film, which I recommend to you, if you've not seen it, um, the film, um, whatever it's called. The Darkest Hour. Hour. You've got to watch it if you have not seen it. Um, And in that film, you get that great quote where he sort of, and he always, as an orator, it was always in Parliament where he made the great speech, or the big ones. And and he said, uh, success is not final. Failure is not fatal, it's the courage to continue that counts. And it really, really, really is that we have the courage to continue, step up. And Elijah stepped up, he obeyed God, and he found out that as he journeyed and he walked, that God God came through. And of course, on that amazing mountain where he, he brought that whole religious problem to the fore. And Mount Carmel was a, a mountain used by all sorts of religions at that time for all sorts of different reasons. Again, some of them pretty sordid. And there where he ran to, where he, sorry, where he gathered, that wasn't the mountain he ran to, the, the, where he gathered the prophets of Baal and he brought the people of God together. That's where the greatest demonstration of God's power was, was made in that story in 1 Kings 18. And he just saw the most amazing things. His courage was at its height. 
He was so courageous that in calling down the fire of God, he was prepared to douse the offering in just gallons and gallons and gallons of water because he wanted the fire to be the miracle that it was. So if we step up, our courage will be built and it will be built and we can trust God. But if we just sit and we don't take a step, we won't step into what it is God has for us individually and as a church. So what does it mean then if we step up? What does it mean to step in? What on earth will we step into? Well, I mentioned that Elijah is caught up in the drought in all of that experience, but he's also, in that stepping up, he finds himself with the widow whose son dies. And we, uh, we, you know, we know those times when things happen and we're saying that should not happen. It shouldn't happen, and it does. And so we're tested. Now Elijah is so full of faith and so full of courage that he calls out to God for the boy's life. And the boy is saved. He, he, there was the end of the story, if you like, that we nearly didn't get. You know, they lived. He lived. He lived. But sometimes that doesn't happen. And the brokenness and the ways we feel pull us away from God or pull us away from one another or take us to a place where we are so anxious, so frightened, so worried, we just don't know what to do. And that's why we have one another so often. Great that you got that good advice from Peter, you're, you know, saying, just worship, just pray. But actually the people are with, you know, the, the sign of a good church is that you step up for one another. And I know you do that. I mean, you know, I'll let you into a secret. When we was in Kendall, we used to look out at Christchurch. We used to go, what are they doing? You know, we kind of, let's learn from them without them knowing that we are doing it. Because we're all proud, you know. And we, you were then developing um, community initiatives and connection initiatives. And I think you'd, you'd already gone about the reordering at that time. I can't remember when that was, but you know, we, and we were looking at the same things. And, and actually, just to encourage you, some of your examples enabled us to step out and to step into the things that God had for us. But of course, like any church, we experience times of, of pain. A little girl who, who was born with a very malformed heart and we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and she lived. She lived. It was a miraculous story. And then five years later she went for a routine operation and she died. I had to stand up in front of the church and say, Susanna has died. She just breaks my heart. You share these stories, it breaks your heart. But the thing that I said to the church then, I remember saying, this does not change God. It doesn't change God. It changes me. It changes my perspective. It changes my understanding. It changes my thinking and my wondering and my questioning. It, it brings doubt. All these things are not wrong. They just mean we have to step in. So, so if you're in a broken place, and I'm really inviting you to let the Holy Spirit minister to you now, if you're in a broken place, if you're 
experiencing broken relationships or situations in whatever's going on in your life, or you feel that God, you know, doesn't understand. But Elijah, when God says to Elijah, what are you doing here? He's not saying, what are you doing here? What have you got here? He's getting him to think about where he is. What are you, what are you, what are you doing here? Are you, are you just going to hide in a cave? Because I, I really don't want you to do that, Elijah. What are you doing here? Because God wants to meet with you there in that place. And Elijah says to God, Gee, I don't think you understand. I'm giving you a bit more of the Hebrew. Okay. <laughs> I don't think you understand. I'm the only one left. He's a bit of a bloke at this point, to be fair. You know, a bit miserable and a bit, you know, it's all of oh, it's terrible. You don't understand my terrible situation. But actually, that's how Elijah feels. I'm on my own. I'm on my own. And yet, God is talking to him. <laughs> and God's talking to him. You know, he's there with him. So I want to invite you to at least hear that God is there, whatever you, wherever you are. God wants you to step into that. Yes, be in the cave. Because Elijah, in all of that amazing courage and the, the fire from heaven, he suddenly hears that the king and the queen are going to kill him. The queen's going to kill him. And you think he would say, come on, bring it on, because God will do something amazing. No, 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 he is completely finished. He's exhausted. He's tired. And it says he picks up his skirts and he runs for it. That's what it says. Suddenly he's overcome. And it could be that you, you, you've been through a big season a big thing's happened and then suddenly it's crashed and you've run for it and God wants to meet you there you are very 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 similar to Elijah you experience the ups and downs I think most of you will have experienced answers to prayer where you've said thank you God thank you God and most of you will have prayed and felt that you haven't been heard. It's like the stuff of life, and yet God is there. I want you to step in. And there's more faithful people than you think around. You know they did the statistics, Frank's great at these, he knows them all. He, you know, I once went on a church leaders conference where they told me that the, the trajectory of decline of the church and, and it's pretty awful, and it's true, and it's bad in terms of gathered church and all of that stuff. Um, but actually, a few of us in this room said, you do realise if you carry that graph on beyond 2030, I think we can just about get four and a half people and a dog to 2030 or something. And then after that, it goes negative. And how do you have negative people in the church? <laughs> oh, you've got lots of negative people. You know what I mean. And yeah, and we need, we need to, you know, we need to take hold of facts. A previous, the previous Bishop of Liverpool, Bishop Paul, used to say, facts are our friends, and they are. They tell us stuff. But God says to Elijah, just so you know, Elijah, on your own, I've got 7,000 people down the road who have not turned to Baal or turned their back on me. I've got people. God is at work. Now, we mustn't ignore the situation we are in. But God 
God is not frightened. God is not wringing his hands. God is not confused. God is God. He has a plan. He has a people. And he has a purpose. And it will work. Oh, I was really hoping to come up with a final P then. But I couldn't pull it out. It's going to work. Step in. Let's produce. He will produce. Oh, right, right. A bit of co-preaching going on here. <laughs> Take a moment. Let's just let's just stop a minute. Let's feel that God wants to meet with you if you're in a a broken place. Hear our cry, Lord. You know our hearts, you know our minds. You know our yeah, our failures, our disappointments, our sadnesses. It's just quite hard being in this cave of difficulty. So I pray, Holy Spirit, come, come and minister to those of us who are broken. Maybe show us brokenness as, as a church. Show us who we are. Come, Holy Spirit. Meet us as we step in. Yeah, one of, my, one of my favorite theologians, Mike Tyson, said, it's all very well having a plan until you get hit in the mouth. It's a good bit of advice, really. But that often happens, you know. You've got a plan, you've got a way, and then suddenly, something happens. But, you know, just trust God there. And finally, can't believe I said that, can you? Because it's only 12 o'clock. Um, I want to encourage you. So I want to encourage you to step up, take hold of your courage. I want you to step in to whatever it is, wherever you are, whatever's happening, because that's where God has you at the moment and where you are. God is with you. And I want to encourage you to step out. I want to encourage you to step out and come out of your cave and hear God. Now Elijah runs to this cave and to be fair, all the stuff that you hear happening, the wind, the earthquake and the fire, doesn't mean that God doesn't speak in those things because he, he has already. Uh, the day of Pentecost was full of blowing of wind and fire from heaven and, um, you know, that, and earthquakes and you know, when Moses was on the mountain earthquakes and things going on all around the place. It's not that God doesn't speak in those times, it's that and Elijah's in this cave and that's, those things are not going to get him out because he's seen that stuff. It's going to be the whisper. It's going to be the small voice, the still small voice of calm as that hymn, Dear Lord and Father of mankind, forgive our foolish ways. Don't choose it for a wedding. <laughs> The still small voice of calm. So we need to hear. And Elijah, it said, Elijah covered his face. It was like the glory of the Lord was going to pass by. I like to think the cave that Elijah was in was very close to the cleft in the rock that Moses was put in on the side of the mountain when God passed by. Can't prove that, but I like to think it. 
And so he, Elijah covers his face. And you notice that God asks him the same question that he asked him earlier? God often asks the same question again. What are you doing here, Elijah? And he comes out of the cave. You see, he's out of the cave now. God can speak to him. And God can get hold of his courage. He can get hold of his brokenness. And he can say, I've got a plan. Let me tell you a story. Eleven and a half years ago, that's a long time ago, eleven and a half years ago, um, Sue and I were celebrating our 30th wedding anniversary. Yeah, we really are that old. We didn't get married at 10. Um, And we went to uh, Rome. Just been there on a cruise. Got a good story, actually. It's a good story. Didn't tell that one, but he'll leave that one for later. and uh, went to Rome and we had a good time looking around, to be honest. Said to Rob, I enjoyed the Colosseum more than all the religious stuff. You know, I just like that sort of stuff. And we had a great time. We ate some good food. We drank some good wine. And then we got on a plane and we went on a plane to Lisbon in Portugal. We had a good time in Lisbon. We were really living it up, celebrating our wedding anniversary together. Somebody else was looking after children. <laughs> and uh, then we got on a car. We hired a car and we went down to the Algarve where we met up with my youngest daughter and we had a bit more holiday. Last couple of days of holiday, I thought I'd eaten something funny and um, I was getting worse and worse. My stomach was getting worse and worse. I was in a lot of pain and I ended up in a Portuguese hospital having a bowel cancer that size orange size taken out. I'd been diagnosed some months earlier with irritable bowel syndrome. Obviously got a good one. Um, and I'm not making light of it, it was terrible. There was, um, it was worse for Sue. I said to Rob, I'm kind of glad she's not really here at the moment, because it, it was a worse experience for her than it probably was for me. Uh, seven hour operation, and just before it happened, the, in broken English, the, the, the surgeon says, you two just need to have two minutes together, i.e. you might not get another two minutes together. That was pretty awful. But because God is God and because there are some amazing people who've got some amazing skills, um, I was operated on for seven hours and um, eventually... I remember coming round um, and being in some sort of lift, obviously a lift taking me from one, the the operating theatre, I assume, to the the intensive care unit. And as I I came round in that lift, or at least I think I did, and uh, I remember seeing Sue beside me and uh, somebody else, a nurse presumably, in the lift. and, And I heard Sue say, Oh, oh, have you heard? I'm thinking... I haven't heard anything. Have you heard? She said, the operation has been a success. That's good. That's great. She said, oh, and and also, sorry about this, speak too much detail, she says to me, also, you haven't got a colostomy bag. If you know what one of them is, if you know what one is, I haven't got one. (laughs) All right, apparently that's good news. Um, uh, And it's also the fact that I was later told in England that had the operation been done in England, that is what would have happened. That would have been the stages. But because there were two good Portuguese surgeons, apparently they told me later, because they actually used me to polish up their English. I was in there for quite a bit. She said, um, well, actually what happened was we had a cup of tea and then we thought, oh, let's finish him off. (laughs) It's a true story. 
But Sue said, so, so you've... Said, but the third thing, the third thing is, you're alive. I thought, yeah, that's good. You're alive. Four days later, five, a bit more than that, I was lying in this ward, and I thought it was time to have a chat with God. You know, I mean, I was the vicar of a church, and, you know, I think I was saying, you know, God, what's going on? I think deep in my heart, I was probably saying, do you not know who I am? God, you need me. You know, God, how on earth, how on earth are you going to do what you do without me, God? Because, um, you know, the dark stuff of leadership is you think you're important. <laughs> Flip. And so I had a chat with God. And, and in my life, I, I can't say I've heard God in this sort of way many times, but I heard God say to me three things, because he's got to say three things to a preacher. <laughs> but they didn't all start with the same letter. Okay. And he said, um, first of all, Tim, I love you. You tell other people that I love them, but you don't hear me when I say I love you. You know, that's really hard because... Okay, guys, just girls, turn off a minute. Guys, we find that really difficult when God says, I love you. And some of those worship songs we sing, I mean, they're a bit lovey-dovey, aren't they? And they're a bit girly. And we fight, sorry, I'm just being honest. Okay, I'm going, so I'm not coming back next week, so it's okay. <laughs> it's just that, you know, but we need to know that God loves us. That he's dad, that he's brother, he's friend, he's strong. You have a drink with us. You know, it's God. Tim, you need to hear that I love you. It's bigger than you think. And secondly, you need to know that that thing you're bothered about, that thing which I can't tell you about because it was difficult in my life at the time and it involved somebody else. He said, I've got a plan for them. Now, I needed to hear that because as a leader, I was quite powerful and I could have done something which would have been destructive and wrong if I didn't know that God hadn't got it in his hands. Now, I knew exactly what he was talking about. He said, a bit like when, when Jesus spoke to Peter at the end of John's Gospel, he's, he's telling him what's going to happen and he says, yeah, but what about him looking at John? And Jesus basically says, don't worry about him. I'll talk to him later. I'm talking to you. Stop trying to sort everybody else out. And thirdly, God said to me, I've got a plan for you. I've got a plan for you. I didn't say what it was, but the good news about it was, not only was I alive, I knew I'd got a bit of time to go. Because it's not that I'm against going to heaven, obviously. It's that I quite enjoyed what I was doing, and I quite enjoyed helping people engage with God. And so, 11 and a half years later, I think there's still a plan. I don't know what might happen tomorrow, but while I'm here, it's the plan. You see, when you step out, God's got the plan. God's got the plan. It's not your plan. And when we're thinking about church, we're thinking about the future, thinking about where we're going, it's God, what you want us to do? What's God saying and what are we doing about it? Man, that's enough. Sorry, there's a lot of talk, wasn't it? But the Lord is here. There's one Anglican in the room. His spirit is with us. <laughs> you, I don't know if that's a, a praise thing or whatever. You're, 
You're the Anglican today. His spirit is with us. Why don't we stand? Why don't we just stand together? Maybe the worship, worship team, maybe come back and help us here. Let's just stand. Sorry, if you're able to stand, stand. If you're not, don't worry. Just invite you. Just put yourself, stand in the presence of God. Maybe you feel that you're in a good place. God is doing amazing things like on that Mount Carmel. Or maybe you feel in a broken place. A tough time. Difficulty of pain anxiety or maybe you're just feeling that God has been talking to you about his plan for you and you just know that you're going to have to do something about it and step out oh, come Holy Spirit and again I just pray touch our minds and our hearts hear the word of the Lord to you Increase our courage. Help us to help one another in the difficult times. Pray for each other and be there for each other. May we see the brokenness around us in our communities, Lord. We are here not for ourselves but for others. We've come to serve, not to be served. So take us out. Draw us. Send us. Here I am. Send me.